and welcome to the finale of the June Jump run of the Super Jump podcast. I'm super excited to bring this to a close well after the fact. Sorry about that. Couldn't have been helped. James and I both ran into some uh, programming issues, technical on my end, scheduling on his end, and you know what? Uh, that's that's E3, man. By the way, I mentioned the word James, but in case you wanted to hear what James sounds like, here he is. Hi, James. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. <laughs> um, just back for... from the craziness. Yeah, we're back from the craziness. Back from uh, a, a really deep dive. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. will. I will say. Um, this is. I usually don't like to date these episodes, so you can listen to them whenever. But I think it's worth it this time. Uh, this is the Saturday after the week of E3. So some days have passed since it ended. Uh, since I've I've gone home from the Airbnb where I stayed to do all the E3 stuff, the biggest thing um, that is probably immediately decipherable on, on your end, listener, is the fact that my audio quality is still terrible. Uh, I, I need some time to fix that. That one might stick for a while. That was not related to the location in which I was rec- recording apparently. Um, but let's just go through what we what we left off on. We did EA as its own episode, which is crazy, considering the <laughs> fact that we're going to do f- six of those in this one episode. Um, we did Bethesda and Microsoft as another. Uh, and that brings us to Monday morning. It started with Square Enix. Um, there was a lot to be excited about for Square Enix. Um, there is the Avengers game, that Crystal Dynamics is working on. That was a, a big thing people were excited about hearing mm-hmm. um, and seeing. We didn't see it. We were excited about seeing more information about Final Fantasy VII Remake. That also didn't happen. Um, there was some talk of new IPs and new Switch exclusives. Uh, there was Octopath Traveler again. And there was one new IP, uh, which I suppose is worth talking about, but other than that, that's really it. And they had a trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3 that had yes. already been shown at the Microsoft press conference the day before. <laughs> yeah, it kind of felt like their thunder had been stolen a little bit there. Yeah, but they gave away the thunder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Their thunder absolutely. has been borrowed with permission. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. What were yeah, your was... thoughts when you heard that Square Enix was doing another E3? Well, I mean, I I guess, you know, we uh, we had a couple of episodes where we talked about, you know, what we were hoping for and what we thought we might see. And, and I know that we talked about um, the Avengers title and we talked about the Final Fantasy VII remake. I was really looking forward to seeing something about the Final Fantasy VII remake. And I was actually thinking they're going to have to bring something like that because otherwise why would you bother really having an E3 press conference in the first place? Right. Um, and it, it, it turned out on the day that I, I thought, oh, look, I'll just catch up on it later because it was, from memory, it was at like 2 or 3 a.m. Australia time. So um, I think I watched, I don't know if it was Ubisoft. I, the first conference I watched live was at around 6 a.m. Australia time. So so I Probably thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll catch up. Yeah, I, I thought I'll catch up 
Um, and I, I have to admit, I haven't watched their full press conference. I did watch the Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer at the uh, Microsoft event. Um, but yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised that, that nothing major really came out of it. So there's something that it was a, a new IP. So I think people might not know exactly how to handle this, but I think it could potentially be um, a big deal, which is mm. Babylon's Fall. Mm -hmm. uh, new IP developed by Platinum Games and published by Square Enix. Yeah. In terms of new announcements, that's kind of the, the biggest deal out of the Square Enix conference. Um, that team-up, that pairing of developer and publisher, has been really interesting in the past. Um, mm -hmm. They produced Nier Automata together. Mm -hmm. um, if this is anything like that, although it doesn't look anything like that at all, um, that's something to look out for. But we still don't know much about it, so I guess that's a moot point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on. Let's go to Ubisoft. Cool. Um, Ubisoft did something interesting, which I, I didn't realize it until much later in the day after they did this. They actually only announced one new game that no one had heard of yet, and it was Just Dance 2019. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah. At it the was... same time, they had a good press conference, I feel. Yeah, I think they did too. Um, Pretty impressive. There were a couple of, yeah, there were a couple of things in there that were a little bit surprising, at least for me. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I was really happy that we saw... It was a pretty small glimpse, but I was really happy that we saw a little bit more of Beyond Good and Evil 2. Absolutely, yeah. Um, that That is actually looking like it's shaping up really well. Uh, and they announced this art-slash-music-slash-everything collaboration project with hit record uh which is a really fascinating collaboration because it it based on the announcement uh it it looks to me and, and they really stressed this in the press conference that um this is not just about people submitting their art or submitting their music into this giant pool that people vote on or anything like that they talked about it as a genuine collaboration to actually get your creative work into the game yeah um have you kept up with the controversy on this a little bit yeah um i i read something yesterday that was they were sort of and i don't know how how close this is in reality but the conversation was sort of comparing this to the whole idea of um people being paid for mods on steam um right I don't know if there's more to it than that, but what's your thought on it? So the idea is that I, I feel like some of the context here is lost without bringing up the fact that this was presented by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, so already you're getting someone who's hugely like successful and rich and famous mm. um, promoting this idea, which maybe isn't the best look. Because the art community, at least on Twitter, at least what I've seen, has really taken against um, the, the idea of a company like Ubisoft soliciting artwork in any form um, for free from fans. 
mm-hmm. because it, it is equated with the idea of being paid for exposure or paid with exposure like um, yeah. many musicians mm-hmm. are familiar with that idea um it's generally distasteful uh in, in those circles i i'm not sure i can get down with that idea this is this is controversial so i'm sure there will be um agreement and disagreement within our listener base mm. Um, I don't necessarily think that Ubisoft could have just paid for this stuff, um, which is what I'm hearing a lot. Like, if you want the art, you should pay for it. Um, I like the idea, but, like, it's a very specific kind of art. They would just make it themselves if they were just interested Mm. in filling up the art of this world. (laughs) They're, They're interested in having billboards and music on the radio and murals mm. in this game that look like and and uh, truly do come from the community that players can look at and and see some sort of camaraderie with because they were like hey I know that that's one of us um, mm. and there's a lot of people out there that like understand everything about this agreement they won't get paid um, they will probably get credited to some degree but not in like a huge degree. Um, that would still love to do this and I understand that this might hurt the art community as a whole but it's not like they're being manipulated in this way I I think if you really wanted to send a message that this isn't okay or that at least you can solicit work like this but if you're chosen to get in the game you need to pay for it at least um, I I think a boycott would be much more appropriate um, yeah, yeah, because it's it's not like it's being dis- deceitful. People, they're, they're saying way up front, here's what we would like to do. Uh, if you'd like to participate in this, given these circumstances, there's a way for you to do it. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, it's kind of ironic because there are a lot of projects, especially projects on Kickstarter, where the opposite is true, where you actually pay to contribute art or an image of yourself or a voice clip or something to a game right um i mean from memory that was a big thing in thimbleweed park you know the you can hear all the voice clips from the phone book and uh and i think that was uh available to people that were on a certain tier of kickstarter contribution so um you know uh, i tend to agree with you i think um I think the main thing from my point of view is just the transparency. As long as, as long as people aren't being duped into doing hours of work, you know, and they have a false expectation, as long as it's very clear up front that it's, it's really a fan project and a fan collaboration, then, you know, I mean, if, if you want to be paid, that's totally reasonable, but that's why you don't give your work away for free. Yeah. And and I think my final thought on that would just be, it's not like Ubisoft isn't paying people for art. They're hiring all the time. Um, mm, if if yeah. you're feeling that this agreement is unsatisfactory and you would still like to contribute to a Ubisoft game, that is very possible. Um, mm. mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I know that uh, people have very strong opinions on this. If you'd like to submit your opinion to the conversation... We would love to have it. That's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. We will uh, go ahead and read whatever you have to say on the matter on the show um, if, if you have, a, have an opinion there. 
Uh, let's just quickly, I think that was like one of the bigger things in Ubisoft's press conference. There was um, some Rainbow Six Siege DLC called Operation Parabellum that I'm sure is going to be huge in that community, but I don't, I unfortunately don't understand very well. Um, mm. Unless you do, uh, we can move on to... Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I, I didn't list it as one of my big highlights, so we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's like three more, three or four more things to talk about here. Uh, the Division 2 is a big one. It got... Um, see, this is the, the problem with doing it much later. It's yeah. kind of blurring together for me now where it got the big gameplay demonstration. Was it here or was it Microsoft the previous day? Um, it's hard yeah. to tell. It was... From memory, it was Microsoft the previous day. This the the focus with Ubisoft was more around um, some specific announcements about the game. So uh, they talked about the fact that they're introducing raids for the first time with up to eight players, which um, right drove the crowd pretty wild. That was a big announcement. And then the that other was a big thing, uh, the other thing that I really liked about it was they they talked about the seasonal content. And they said that year one, so once you've purchased the game, all the year one content is free for those players. And that includes um, three major DLC drops in season one that are all free. So that's cool. um, I, I think that sounds really good. Yeah, it's very um, Splatoon of them to do that. Um, I, I really like when post-launch additions to the game are laid out ahead of time uh that makes yeah. me feel a lot safer a lot more secure in, in buying into a game like this especially because games are expensive nowadays yep yep um also I, I just i love raids in multiplayer games i totally agree with the audience um fervor for that i think it's a great way to include story and like a sense of an epic journey or something like that into an otherwise mm. multiplayer game. Cool idea. Um, yeah. Glad that's taking off in multiple games. Let's see. Um, Skull and Bones was still hard to interpret. That got a 2019 release date. Uh, Elijah Wood came out and talked about his uh, VR game Transference. That's going to come out in the fall. Again, not a whole lot of uh, actual information. Okay, mm -hmm. Starlink. Here, here's the thing. Starlink is coming out soon. It's coming out in four months, almost to yeah. the day. Exactly to the day of recording, actually. Um, it had a pretty good E3 showing, I think, where they really focused on the fact that the areas that you go to in Starlink are not... Um, they're not linear and they're not small. They're huge open worlds. They're actually... Like, they are really spherical. Um mm -hmm and you can just go down in real time it, it it's very evocative of no man's sky but with like missions and, and combat and stuff <laughs> yeah uh did this yeah. do anything for you it's, well I, uh, yeah now i know that we I, i'm i'm begging a question that will come up later but i feel it feels like the appropriate place to ask because um i wanted to ask if you had the chance to play this at e3 because i watched so I watched the um, I watched this being discussed at the Ubisoft press conference, but and and I get the whole thing about you know there's this kind of physical toy aspect which actually looks quite cool because 
the toys themselves are modular and you know so you can you can build up a ship with different components different separate components and that custom ship that you build in the real world translates directly into the game which i think is really cool and i love the star fox crossover stuff but i came away from it actually wondering what it actually is in terms of gameplay like what kind of game it actually is i didn't really get a strong sense of that so there's the, there are missions and there are um there are story things yes i did play it actually um mm. And, and there are, like, specific things to do. There appears to be a full story. Okay. Um, so that that's not out of the question here. Um, I did get to play it, and what's interesting about playing it is that as soon as you get onto a planet, you're still in your ship. You are mm -hmm. still a ship that is, like, it has thrusters in the back, so you expect to just be going forward through space. But it actually plays much more like an action game which I didn't expect. Yeah, um, wow. Like, you can strafe side to side. You can pull backward on the control stick and make your ship go backward. You can actually do a jump off the ground, despite the fact that you're not standing on the ground. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. it, it reminds me a lot of, like, maybe a more basic platinum character action game. Um, I didn't expect that. And the, the yeah. modularity of the ship toys are cool. Hmm. That said, I don't expect to be actually changing that up on the go too much. I think mm. I will get a ship that I like and maybe a gun or two that I like and then just use that forever. Yeah. Um, which is probably not what Ubisoft wants me to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I imagine when I was watching that, I thought, well, surely like there have got to be in-game incentives to that that cause you to change that up surely um if you die you can not forfeit like your place in the world otherwise you have to restart uh by just putting a different ship on so it's almost okay. like an extra life um and if you're against an elemental type enemy and your ship currently has the elemental type that it is weak to against that that's good so you can switch those out the guns are mostly uh they have some sort of like trait to them mm -hmm. that is good against certain enemies but not others uh, yeah, okay. so, so that'll happen and, and i think we're, we're talking over the the biggest announcement here which is that fox mcleod is a playable character and has okay. his own his, the r-wing is a starlink ship but yeah, only for the switch cool. version of course very very cool it's it's really good to see this you know blossoming partnership between nintendo and ubisoft it's really nice yeah it's it's something i think nintendo needs right now and i think it's something that ubisoft needs right now as well because mm. ubisoft is really positioning themselves as one of the big boys they have their e3 presentation every year while st still being perceived i think a little bit smaller than its contemporaries um mm having the the blessing we'll say of nintendo is is good for ubisoft one thing i wanted to say about starlink that's a bit negative everything else i liked um the switch version of starlink which is what i played and i watched the xbox one version of starlink being played elsewhere um the switch version is low fidelity man like mm. it looks 
it's one of the biggest differences in third-party games from system to system that I've seen in a while. Yeah, okay. Yeah, even more than, like, Doom um, or Wolfenstein. It's, yeah. It definitely looks... Like, the textures are much more pixely on the Switch. Mm. Um, I don't know how people want to take that. It could be a big deal. It could be a small deal. Um, just wanted to let you guys know what I saw. Um, For Honor, Marching Fire, there's now Chinese Warriors. Cool. Crew 2. I literally just have the words Crew 2 listed on my notes <laughs> and nothing else. Yeah, me too. I, I had, <laughs> I had, and just to give everybody a picture of this, I had, as I was, as I watched each of these press conferences, I, I went through and I was quickly jotting down notes and doing Twitter updates here and there and all that stuff. And what I've done for the podcast is I've kind of just picked out the key things that I thought were interesting. So that's why I didn't have, um, I didn't have Rainbow Six Siege or, or For Honor on here. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, last one, biggest one probably, but again, not a world premiere announcement considering the fact that it was leaked via a keychain, which like Ubisoft has been trying really hard to stop leaking their own stuff. And this is, it's just so funny that it was just a keychain that leaked their entire biggest game. This closed the show, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It's an Assassin's Creed game in the vein of Origins, um, that takes place in greece yeah what you yeah. think of the reveal of this game yeah yeah i um I, I feel a little bit conflicted because on the one hand i mean it looks great you know the voice acting seems great the animation looks pretty good um it looks very very similar to origins uh, mm-hmm. no doubt no doubt because one of the cities that you spend a lot of time in in origins is um alexandria uh, which obviously has a strong Greek influence in that time period. Um, I just, I mean, it's coming out October 5th. You know how they made that big deal about um, with Origins that they took a lot of time with Origins and they waited a, an extra year and everything. Yeah. I just hope that Odyssey is is a, actually really does feel like its own thing and the quality is there and because uh, it, it is coming out really hot on the heels from Origins. So you know we'll see (laughs) so right we talked about this before when we talked about the walmart canada leak that Mm. this leaked everything at once we assumed that it was maybe a standalone dlc for origins yeah yeah that's right it was much more than we expected i guess we underappreciated it um it was it's a full different game when they said they wanted to take a year off i guess they mean they wanted to take one year off one (laughs) just one that's right Um, yeah apparently (laughs) yeah now i guess that year was paid forward though because it's different teams right so origins took a year off and odyssey gets the benefit of having that year as well because they Mm. they're a different team that didn't have to release i guess for a while now so this should be a pretty polished assassin's creed yeah i hope so and i mean i'm assuming that they Obviously, on the surface, these games kind of look similar, but I'm assuming there's a lot of sharing of technology and resources and all the rest of it underneath. So, you know, hopefully um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is kind of benefiting from a lot of the work that happened on Origins anyway. Um, Yeah, there's... um, 
one one thing I noticed that really set it apart for for me as a very casual um, viewer of Assassin's Creed news is that there was a lot of romance, um, like a, a very heavy romance focus in this gameplay demo. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know how present that is in other Assassin's Creed games, but this, like it, it looked like a real uh, thing here where there were many different dialogue options and some of them could could produce like flirting or, or something like that. I think people will have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it, it happens to take place in a very homosexual friendly time period and era. So that is that is good news. Um, they can be both historically accurate and inclusive and do, do both of that at once. I know a lot of people are were asking about that. Um, so that's Ubisoft. What do, what do you think of that press conference as a whole? Yeah, I mean, look, other than uh, other than the fact that their that their thunder was borrowed a little bit, if <laughs> if you take it on its own, I think it was pretty good. I mean, they you know they weren't showing the volume of games that some publishers are showing, but I think they there was a lot here that was really genuinely interesting, and there are some big franchises here, so I was pretty pleased with it. I think. I agree. Um, I think it's. I think a good comparison would be Bethesda's press conference. Mm, um, like yeah. Ubisoft, they're a bit of. They're a bit smaller, but they still have a lot of different um, IP and different kinds of things that they put out. Uh, if you look at who was the big get for Bethesda, it was like Andrew WK, who mm. is a musician, and he just was there to be a musician. Where mm. for Ubisoft. Um, Elijah Wood and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are both famous people that Ubisoft brought on stage, but they were there as developers. Yeah, which yeah. is interesting. I, I don't know if that's ever really been been done before, where they, they get actors or musicians to to talk like about games they are working on. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting, um, and you know maybe it's just another sign of games becoming ever more mainstream and ever more difficult to ignore for people that are kind of. Because there's obviously a lot of creative overlap between film and games, uh, and increasingly so. Um, and and also just the fact that they had, and, and it's not a movie-related thing, but the fact that they had um, Miyamoto there as well, right? Um, yeah, as you know, another guest appearance. That that was nice as well. I think that was they they had a really kind of feel-good uh, press conference. I think. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to get into this, but as as long as we're talking about feel good uh, moments, <laughs> they had Grant Kirkhope come on stage and conduct Critical Hit, uh, which is a great uh, little band of musicians. Uh, they they do mm -hmm. so many things uh, very yeah. well. They they did a Donkey Kong medley over uh, new gameplay footage from Donkey Kong Adventure, the DLC for Mario and Rabbids. Which is, yeah. uh, it got a release date, June 26th, so that's less than two weeks away. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, that looks very cool. Yeah. Um, mm. Let's see, so that's Ubisoft. I, I would say um, content, maybe a little a little thin, but at the same time, um, one of the they are one of the companies that is really, really, really leaning into the idea of an E3 press conference as a show, as a thing to be watched. Um, yeah, definitely exciting on its own, mm. um, and I think that's cool. I, I think that's nice, and I appreciate it. Um, so we have two smaller things. We won't spend as much time on them because uh, they didn't quite do that. 
Um, this the PC gaming show started next, and the PC gaming show reminds me of Olympic coverage. Um, <laughs> it's very drawn out, and it's very much like people commentating over what just happened, rather than people being shown doing the thing for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would love the PC gaming show to be more to be to be bigger than it is because PC gaming is huge. Um, yeah. but so far it isn't and and i don't know if they take the formula that they've been doing for the last few years with pc gaming show without really updating it which they haven't i don't know how they can get there i don't know how they can get to actually being representative of how big pc gaming is Mm. yeah i would like to see it get there uh pc gaming show is that one of the ones that you attended in person that is not um i meant to (laughs) Uh, that was in the middle of some of the, my computer and microphone breaking down and I had to make a choice. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, that's okay. I, the only reason I ask is because I always wonder with these press conferences, it's, it is quite a different experience as you know, absolutely watching them by stream than being there. And one of the fascinating things about being there for me is always just, um, paying attention to what the audience is saying, what their reaction is, what they're saying kind of before and after. Um, you can sometimes get quite a different vibe, you know, mm-hmm. in person, um, which I just always find interesting, especially after the, the Sony press conference last year. So Yeah, there, there's some things where it's like disingenuous and not exactly connected to the mainstream audience of gaming, which is what I get a little nervous about because... I, I was at the so the, the the big one I attended was Microsoft, um, yeah. and Microsoft had that Battletoads reveal. Me and everyone around freaked out. We were very excited about the Battletoads reveal, and I went mm. online later, and people were dragging it. They were saying like, "Man, what a lazy thing to put out!" And like, I d- totally disagree. And and based on like everyone around me, um, mm. it was a very different vibe so maybe i i just get nervous like how wrapped up in the excitement um being there in person can make you i think maybe it's a it's a more solid experience to just be viewing from home sometimes yeah i think that makes sense yeah you've got that little bit more distance from the actual the kind of hype uh, Mm -hmm. at the time yeah um okay sony sorry no not sony yet limited run (laughs) really quick um they had about a half hour show Mm-hmm. or maybe 45 minutes something like that where they announced a ton of games actually um they 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 did golf story for switch um they announced some dates for things like night trap which is coming later and they announced that they are going to be the ones to bring ukulele to physical versions on the switch um I, Ukulele is a very special game to me because it's the first game that I wrote about for Super Jump, actually. Yeah. And uh, I would love to have it on Switch in physical form. I've been waiting to buy it on on Switch uh, because I wanted to get a, a physical version of it. Thank you, mm-hmm. Limited Run. I will be there in August to get that. And there were tons of other indie games. Uh, I recommend people go check it out. Check out the in, uh, Limited Run thing. Um, they actually go through their own games so quickly and uh so succinctly and with a good amount of information i don't want to be the person to give you that information 
um, I think it would just be better for you to watch it versus all these other things that have like all of their information wrapped up in hype and pomp. Um, mm. Yeah, they were just pretty down to business. They just went through their games. Um, yeah, that's cool. You know who didn't? <laughs> Sony. <Yeah. laughs> what a weird show. It was, it was bizarre. Uh, they. <laughs> They, they sort of, I think, had the... <clears throat> initially, they sort of had the pretense of doing something really different and cool, but it just didn't pan out at all the way I thought it would. So it was really bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> they brought all these reporters to a barn, like a barn church, a barn that has been repurposed to be a church mm. um, for some reason. And then they show the the first trailer of the day, which was the Last of Us Part Two, and it turns out that that barn is actually an in-game location, so yeah. that's why that happened. Um, and then after that, they brought everyone to a different place. They just brought them to a, a different place, like a regular, yeah, conference <laughs> yeah. hall, and, and yeah, they just dropped I... it. That's right. It's so weird because I'm thinking at first I'm thinking why would they bother doing this whole thing of like shuffling this crowd between venues and you know they were cutting over to another group of people at a a desk kind of providing Mm -hmm. other updates while they were doing that and i thought oh they must be doing that because each venue is literally a place in each game that they're talking about yeah and even though that's yeah i thought oh that'd be so cool to be there for that and then when they just when everything else was just in like a normal venue i'm thinking well what what was the point of that yeah i kept thinking like i i had some friends that were there and i kept i just kept thinking they must be so pissed (laughs) yeah it's it's just they're making sony's making them walk around la it's an it's really hot (laughs) it's annoying yeah 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 very you can't drive Yeah, so so that was weird. Um, I think they probably would have been fine if they just kept them in the barn, right? Like, I understand that has nothing to do with Spider-Man, but I don't think that would matter. It's like it's one thing from one game, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I was thinking. I thought either go the full way or just leave everybody in the barn. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, I, I just wonder if they... I wonder how much they took the criticism of last year's show into account and try and they just maybe overcompensated. I don't know. Which direction excited. are they open overcompensating for? What are they trying to fix for here? Because last year was the most utterly dry, boring press conference I think they've ever had. Um, because it wasn't even um, they they didn't even really have anyone come up on stage other than right at the beginning and right at the end um it was it was literally just people sitting in a theater watching trailer after trailer end um yeah that's so that's a weird thing because um were you you were there last year right you were in I there i was yeah yeah and i was a lot watching of the people around home. me were yeah and and you had the much better experience watching from home because a, like People around me were, you know, cheering at certain announcements and stuff. But a lot of us were talking about the fact that 
especially when it came to an end, we were all like, oh, well, you know, now we have to kind of fight our way out onto the street and, and get Ubers and all the rest of it and try and get out of here when really we could have just watched this from the hotel or the Airbnb. Like it wasn't really anything. Uh, there wasn't yeah. really a point being there in person. I, I, I can't imagine like if Square Enix decided to do what they did in person rather than as a video, that would have been mm. rough. Uh, I guess it's yeah. the same thing. Um, I kind of like it as, as someone who usually sees things from home, usually sees things on their, on their computer. Um, because it's basically like, um, you know, I, I came for the trailers and it's only trailers, but I, I, I definitely would prefer seeing a human on that stage otherwise. Um, let's talk about the actual thing the barn was for though, because the last of us part two looked good. Yeah, Um, it did. It looked so good that the someone in charge of the development of Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which as a third person, um, like action adventure type kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, has a bit of a, I guess, a competition with this game. Maybe he said, "I'm not going to name names. One because I forgot it, <laughs> and, and two because they would be rude." Uh, he said that he thought it looked fake. He thought this gameplay demo was fake. Um, like totally pre-rendered. He had he's since deleted that tweet. I guess he's been told by enough people <laughs> that that wasn't the case, and also kind of rude. Um, but yeah, it looked good enough to be fake. Yeah, I <clears throat> and it's funny because E three often has this situation, you know, where you'll see footage of something that looks too good to be true, and it is. Um, yeah, but this was I never thought this was fake just because. Even if you go back now and play The Last of Us Remastered on PS4, it looks almost that good. And it's a PS3 title that's been remastered. Like, or Uncharted 4 looks almost that good. Um, this this studio is full of geniuses um, yeah. when it comes to technology and art design and animation and all the rest of it. So... Um, I, I have every confidence that that actual gameplay segment me, we saw was real gameplay, was real time, running probably on real hardware. Um, I don't have any doubt about that. The one thing that that really uh, impressed me, it's such a silly thing, but when they did the animated kiss, I for some reason, I don't know if this is just in my own mind, but... I always get the impression that animating a kiss between digital characters is like the ultimate Rubicon of like, (laughs) you've mastered animation if you can animate that and it doesn't look really unnatural, like really strange. I haven't thought about that, but you're probably super right. It's like, it looked really real and it looked like two people were actually physically connecting. And, And I just think... In, in any sort of 3D animation, when they try to do that, it always looks really fake and strange. And, yeah. and you know, you can immediately... It shatters the illusion. Um, like, I, I think at one point, uh, Ellie had her hand on the other girl's cheek and, like, her fingers were pushing in the fat of her cheek and it was, like, bending yeah. to contour to her hand. That's crazy. That's really it's, impressive. It's amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing. So so even that, I mean, obviously they, they were doing that, you know, that's that provides some context to this really rich universe in, in Last of Us and the story. But 
I saw that as like one of the most impressive tech demos I've ever seen. Uh, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it also pissed a lot of people off, but that's to be expected. And that's not uh, really interesting as much as it's just disappointing. Um, yeah. I yeah, yeah, I don't even want to get into it. I no, was really no. um, impressed with the, like, the narrativity <clears throat> of this trailer. Yes. Like how it was about Ellie's, at, at the dance at first, it was about Ellie's like self-confidence level. Um, mm. being able to convince herself that I, I, I guess she, that she can, um, like pick up this other woman and then it shows her just being like a horrifying <clears throat> person killing so many people. Um, and then it ends with her being told, no, 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 people should be so scared of you. Uh, yeah. with just like th- it had a theme, it carried out on the theme and like it had a beginning, middle and end. It was almost like a movie. Um, yeah, that's, that is, that is trailer to an art. Um, Mm. there are some trailers later on that we'll talk about soon in this press conference and in the next one that could have used a few pointers in that regard. Um, (laughs) I wrote here on my notes at this point that Sony has completely given up on making this into a show. Um, this is just a thing (laughs) to do for Sony. (laughs) (laughs) Um, a few more, few more things confirmed. Uh, God of War New Game Plus, that that's nice. I'm sure that'll be a, a really big deal for uh, all of those people that just rushed through it really fast. Uh, mm. You can get some more God of War. Um, Always good. Yeah, let's see. Call of Duty Black Ops Four um, was what I thought they were going to talk about, but then they just said that they remastered some old maps and put them in Black Ops Three. Interesting tactic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at that point, Sony's stream went offline. Sony's Twitch stream of their own event went offline for a bit. Uh, that was funny. I went to a different stream to find out what was happening. Uh, at that point, they did Ghosts of Tsushima. Uh, Hard to say for me. Yeah. This game looks crazy. Yeah, this this game looks gorgeous. I actually, uh, at at first, when it first started... I wasn't sure what it was. At first I thought it was actually Neo 2, but it, there is a Neo 2 coming, but it was not Neo 2. Um, it, it just looks amazing. It, it, the, the comment I put in my notes was, looks like Japanese Witcher. <laughs> yeah, I think that's <laughs> Reminded accurate. me a lot. Yeah, it's just absolutely stunning. The landscapes especially um, were gorgeous. So yeah, I'm especially on how it like draws from Japanese tradition and myth and history uh yeah the same way the witcher kind of does for poland that stuff that's a very good comparison actually yeah it 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 just looks really awesome and it looks like it's going to have that you know at least based on the trailer it looks like it's going to have that really nice combination of kind of that that lore and story as well as really interesting combat they showed off a lot of stealth in the trailer which i thought was interesting as well um so yeah i'm I'm keen to see more of this one yeah uh, i'm definitely excited to see more of this one it doesn't seem quite ready um yeah yeah um despite looking beautiful it does also somehow simultaneously look very early yeah Um, yeah another game that is probably early is control um this is remedy's new game they they finally announced their new game. It's by five oh. It's published by five oh five. 
Um, and it's basically about using the Force. They don't call it the Force. It's obviously not Star Wars, but um, it's you. You can use the Force, <laughs> basically, in this giant, I want to say portal-like uh, laboratory. Mm-hmm. That the more you see of it, it the more it just descends into the, some nightmare hellscape dreamland where mm. things don't don't really make sense the way the way they are constructed physically i saw a, i saw this at the show floor i saw a very extended um gameplay demo this is one of those that i didn't get to play myself i had to watch someone next to me um play this um and whenever i did one of these at the show floor this might be a little rude but i said hey can you jump right here because <laughs> sometimes they just have a guy with a controller sitting there to make it look like you're not just watching a video. Yeah. Uh, but he jumped, so it was real. <laughs> He's probably probably had a giant sweat drop running down his face. He's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this game looks so cool. It looks very cool, James. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I loved. It seeing it in the sony conference and i loved 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 seeing it in person um i hope they show off what i saw soon i'm not under nda or anything like that but i i just it is hard Mm. to talk about what i saw because it's Mm. um i think the best example that i've been able to come up with is it's kind of like when you play portal the humor in the writing makes it sound like this is a parody of something Mm. but if you rack your brain, I don't know if you'll actually be able to come up, like, what is Portal a parody of? Where are these testing... What is this movie or video game about, like, this test thing where you're just kept under watch by an AI? And the answer is Control. It just came out ten years later somehow. Um, (laughs) And the lighting in this game, James, is insane. It's amazing. I was blown away by by the... the initial trailer they showed off and it's i'm one of the reasons i'm really excited about it <clears throat> is because it's from remedy and remedy one of the things that i still think even today stands up incredibly well is the lighting in alan wake in the original alan wake definitely yeah. um it like it's that was one of the things about that game that even now is just so mind-blowing so it, it when I saw Control and the fact that it was by Remedy, I was so excited by that. It's like, you know, they've taken everything that they've learned and they're kind of putting it all into this one game. Um, did they say anything about when it's expected to be released or they just gave a, is it just 2019? It is, um, I don't even know if they said 2019 publicly, but I asked when we were doing that and they said probably around 2019. Um, yeah, okay. Mm. yeah um someone else i i mean this is to be expected but someone else asked about a switch release and they basically said you know it's something that you have to consider in game development but and then like they talked about in in different words than i'm about to say but dude there's no way this runs on switch yeah yeah (laughs) there's no way this game would work uh it's using a proprietary engine that remedy has made themselves just for for lighting and uh, for the actual gameplay itself, it, it's from the ground up pretty crazy. Um, yeah. 
there's a line that they kept repeating in the uh, in, in the demo that was essentially like dream logic is required for survival here um, you need mm. to let's see dream logic is required for survival things aren't connected by causality but rather by the meaning we give them and that was interesting because there was a picture of a hallway and it uh, reminiscent of Ocarina of Time, the, like the, the Shadow Ganon fight, mm-hmm. where it was a picture of a hallway, and then if you look at it in the correct angle with your camera stick, um, it just turns into a hallway. And then the rest of the room you're in turns into a picture. Uh, oh, wow. That's yeah. so cool. And it, it was pretty seamless, and there, there were other things like turning a light on and off again until a room became bigger. Like thing, It's, it's hard wow. to to really detail how cool this was just playing on the fact that it's a video game they can do anything they want then in the sony conference i don't want to stay on that too long uh resident evil 2 remake this game looks very good oh i am dying for this one mitchell i (laughs) i couldn't i could not believe when i saw this and and there has been a um i don't know if it was ever uh announced formally but i i know there's been talk of a resident evil 2 remake for a long time it's um, been it, it was one of those things where it, maybe in a shareholders meeting something like that capcom did say and we are working on a resident evil 2 remake in possibly the least hype way possible um yeah they really yeah. didn't <laughs> They really right. didn't hype and that up this is the first time it's been seen this is the first time it's been talked about in like a presentation like this um, yeah it and it oh, it looks, looks so, so different good. it looks so so yeah. different it looks so different and and i just love like when i was watching this trailer and and we've now got a um we've got a couple of articles about it on super jump including a, a really good hands-on piece um but the thing about it that i'm that i really like is <clears throat> they didn't just you know, replicate the original with better graphics. They've actually completely reimagined Resident Evil 2 from the ground up. So a lot of things are different. It's not just the graphics. It looks like there are potentially big differences in the story and characters. The actual layout of the world has been changed quite significantly. And there are a lot of really clever touches like the original game had these weird and resident evil's always been like this but resident evil 2 had these really bizarre sort of absurd puzzles like you know you've got to put the two gems in the statues yeah statue to, to open the door and all that stuff and the funny thing about this remake is there are it's hard to describe there are hints of that but they've done it in a really ultra realistic way so the way that you would open some of the doors to access different parts of the police station um, are quite clever. Like there are uh, there are fuse boxes and things that you've obviously got to tinker with, but they've been all heavily duct taped shut. And it gives you... There's a lot of environmental storytelling. It gives you the impression that, you know, someone has desperately tried to close up all these areas of the station to stop the zombies getting at them like it's right it's telling you something that's actually quite plausible um so i I can't wait for this it's just it looks so cool 
something that I really appreciate that we, we've talked about before, the original Resident Evil remake, the remake of the original Resident Evil. Um, yeah. It, it was very clever in moving certain jump scares so that if you did not play the original game, they're still there, and it's still there for you. It's it's the exact same, like, content. But if you did play mm. the original game, they are in different enough places so that playing it again is still very scary and, like, it's unpredictable. Um, so I'm excited for that kind of stuff to show up in Resident Evil 2 Remake. Yeah, definitely. Um... Trover Saves the Universe. This is Justin Roiland of Rick and Morty's new game. Um, man, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it seems like a 3D platformer, which, you know me, I'm into it. Um, I I can't wait. It, it also, I think this was VR. I didn't take good enough notes here. Uh, yeah, I think it is VR. I, um, okay. And, and I had a similar thought to you. I, I, all I All I remember thinking at the time is, I don't know what this is, but I want to play it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes yeah. you don't need to know. <laughs> yeah, it just looks interesting. Yeah. Um, so Kingdom Hearts 3 showed up again in like the 40th press conference this E3. It's <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah. Microsoft got frozen. Their own thing um, was the fro- or Square Enix's own thing was the Frozen trailer, but mix in scenes of Ratatouille. I don't know if that's a stage or just a summon or whatever, um, mm. but in the Sony one, they showed the Pirates of the Caribbean world, and it looks very different, especially when you compare it to like Monsters, Inc. or Toy Story, where they are much more cartoonish, even more cartoonish than normal in order to match the aesthetics of those worlds. Um, yeah. They're made very realistic looking. Uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy. Even Donald and Goofy are given like realistic shading on their feathers and fur now uh which is not something i would have asked for but <laughs> but it was fine uh it, it looked cool I'm, I'm really excited about this game as someone who just doesn't know anything about the story of kingdom hearts i hope it's fine enough that i can dive in here i know there's a lot i won't understand but i i hope it's like at least pal like parsable you know um because I, I am planning on playing this game, and if uh, Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5 don't come out on Switch or Xbox One sometime before then, I will probably not play the other two before I play 3. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going um, to see what the reaction is um, once it comes out. I, I'm, I'm not a big Kingdom Hearts fan. I played the original um i don't know if i finished the original but it's not really my thing this one looks pretty interesting um i i liked what i saw of the pirates of the caribbean stuff although i agree with you it did feel a little bit sort of odd and jarring as well um but yeah i mean it's going to be massive when it's released there is a scene in the pirates of the caribbean part of that trailer where they showed two pirate ships having a battle where mm. all of a sudden it looked like a game with really, really good graphics. It had some good graphics before, like in a stylistic way, but all of a sudden it looked very impressive, which is not something I yeah. expected from Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Death Stranding. It happened. We know what this game kind of is now, a little bit. 
<laughs> just a little bit. Not just much. Just a little bit. But more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched some of the... So there, so there was the trailer at the press conference itself, and then there were a couple of other events at E3 uh, involving Hideo Kojima and... Uh, a couple of the actors and um was Lindsay wagner there um i heard that she was maybe around i'm i'm not sure uh the one i saw i can't remember her name the bionic woman that yeah that's Lindsay wagner um, oh that's Lindsay wagner okay well then yes fun fact <laughs> fun fact my sister Lindsay is named after Lindsay wagner oh well <laughs> yeah is your sister gonna play death stranding not a chance there's there's no way (laughs) yeah it was it was so there was an interview with with Lindsay wagner and hideo kojima and uh and that was really that was actually quite fascinating to watch because you know Lindsay wagner is someone who um is obviously very iconic in her own right um Mm -hmm. but she she just, you know, talked about the fact that until this project, she'd never had anything to do with video games. And she, um, you could see in the interview, it was so tantalizing. They, she was, she was so tempted, I think, to spill what this game is about. And she kept, <laughs> she kept grinning and holding back and covering her mouth and, oh no, I can't say that. And she kept sort of teasing, oh, well, I know what that's about. I know what that's about. So she was driving the audience mad. Um, And so I think that the main lesson that came out of all of this is some questions have been answered, but so many more new questions have come up now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It it seems um, like one of those things where I think right now, oh man, I don't know anything. But then if I learn more, I'll realize, oh, I actually knew it. (laughs) I just didn't know that I knew it. Uh, I knew the answer to the question that I had. I just didn't yeah. see it somehow. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we saw a little bit of a uh, little bit of gameplay. What looked like gameplay, um, and and there were a few more kind of tidbits that started to become clear. But uh, the more I see it, the more I want to know what's going on. I think Kojima is a master of. Um, keeping us all on the edge of our collective seats. Yeah. Um, This is one of the games that I saw at E3, along with Beyond Good and Evil 2 Mm. and Starfield. Not that I saw Mm. at E3. Sorry, bad phrasing. That were seen at E3. Yeah. That strike me as next-gen. I think this is a PS5 game interesting yeah i i really do um i almost said that about last of us part two as well um but i i kind of think they're gonna push that along faster um Mm. yeah and and possibly even ghost of tsushima um like there is there's some stuff at this press conference at this year Oh, and Halo Infinite. Yeah, I really think we're, we're starting to see the next-gen games. We just don't know it yet. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case for Halo Infinite. Um, and I think, I think you're probably right about Death Stranding because one of the big things about this reveal, or, well, I don't even want to call it a reveal, one of the big things about this new trailer is that, yes, we saw a little bit more, but 
there's no indication of when this is going to be released. And I mean, to be fair, like they weren't even, they hadn't even really begun working on this game in earnest until probably mid 2016. Like, right. You know, Kojima talked about the fact that in early 2016, he was still like discussing which engine he was going to use. He was still visiting guerrilla games he was setting up a team for the first time. So on the one hand, this is probably very far away. On the other hand, it is insanely impressive that Kojima really started this studio from scratch in 2016. And I know it's just a trailer, but look at what they're doing in, in apparently in real time in Decimer Engine already the turnaround on that is absolutely unreal. Um, there's a very short space of time. There's also uh, an area where I'm probably biased. Um, and actually, I'm definitely biased. But <laughs> I, I love the Metal Gear Solid games from a cognitive perspective. They talk about so many different philosophies and political views. And mm. they have contrasting views within the game itself. Um, and, and it gets into a really heady meta place that I'm just a sucker for. But then yeah. at a certain point, it is also a stealth game with guns again. Like, it, it just goes back into that idea. And that yeah. is fine. That's a cool idea in and of itself. But I, I felt like the, the subject of the game and what you're doing in the game weren't exactly matching up a lot of the time. And I was more interested in one of them the, than the other. In Death Stranding, mm. I, I kept before this trailer, I kept thinking, okay, but where's where are the guns gonna come in? Like where this is all interesting, but then Norman Reedus gets a gun and he shoots at these like shadow things, and that's how mm. like the game actually is. This game does not appear to have any guns. This this is Norman Reedus walking around. Oh no, there are guns. Are there guns? Um, I'm I don't want it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> There's a really small, you can just see it. There's a really small snippet in the trailer where a couple of characters walk up to a, like a, almost like a cliff edge looking out over the horizon. And one of them has a great big gun that he kind of lifts up. Um, oh, okay. Kojima was asked about this and, and he said that, he said there will be guns and, and it will be possible to play at least parts of this game in more of kind of an action context. But he did talk about the idea that that's not really the focus. Um, he okay. didn't say anything else, though, about what the focus is. But he just said, you know, yes, that's an option. But he really hinted very strongly that that's probably not really the the main path that the developers intend you to take. Okay, I, I wasn't really caring so much about the presence of guns in general as much as I like. If yeah, this, yeah. If this was all this cool ideas and cool stuff, and then it turned out to be a third-person shooter, like like Gears, yeah, I think that would be disappointing yeah. for me. Uh, so no, that yeah. that I'm totally cool with. They can still be in the story in some way. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. I, I made a note that Lindsay Wagner, or not Lindsay Wagner, the other, um, the other female actor. In, in this, uh, I don't know her name. Uh, she had a really stupid umbrella at the end. <laughs> that, that was the whole note. <laughs> I thought the umbrella was really dumb. It wouldn't be functional. Water would get through it easily. 
I think she won. I forget which website did it. She won some sort of best fashion of best video <laughs> game fashion of it. And I'm like, oh, really? We're doing best video game fashion of E3 now? We're doing best video game fashion and doing it to the person with the broken umbrella. With Fine. the weird umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, it was probably just a normal umbrella until a massive gust of wind like blew it apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Very strange. Neo 2. Yeah, uh... Sony didn't I... get to present Sekiro, so mm. they get Neo 2, the other Soulsborne yeah. of this E3. Mm. That is my, that's my theory on how that went down. Yeah, I actually, for some reason, I don't, I remember it being shown, but I don't have any notes here. I can't remember if they showed very much of it. They, or if it was very quick. No, it was pretty quick. Yeah. They, I don't believe it had a release date. Um, it, it was pretty quick. Yeah, okay. Then Spider-Man. Yes. Big <laughs> deal, James. This game looks cool. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I played it. Um, th- this was like one of the ones that everyone at E3 was saying, okay, you gotta spend your time standing in line sometimes i know you don't want to but it's worth doing for spider-man smash brothers mm. and resident evil 2 yeah that's what people were saying um and i i agree spider-man was very very good um the first thing i tried to do when i was playing the game was just turn off all of my mission objectives which is possible uh and then mm. just swing from buildings instead of doing anything important and that was a very good experience. That was a good time. Um, mm. That was what I really wanted to see. Will this be as like freeform and fun to swing around in as Spider-Man 2, the, the classic GameCube and PS2 game that everyone remembers? The answer is yes and possibly better. Um, mm. So don't worry about that. The trailer they showed itself was very combat heavy. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think of this? Well, I mean, as I've said before, I, I'm i not a huge um, Spider-Man fan in general, but I cannot wait to get this game. Everything about it looks awesome. It I think looks that's like, where I am too. Yeah, it's and, and I think, you know, um, aside from the fact that it looks great... Um, it, it, it's the developer. The fact that it's Insomniac, um, we know from their history that they are good at creating these very large kind of seamless worlds that are really fun to navigate. And I immediately think about something like Sunset Overdrive and even to a degree Ratchet and Clank, but Sunset Overdrive in particular, what they were able to do on... on reasonably limited hardware with the xbox one in terms of memory and that sort of thing um was extremely impressive Mm -hmm. so um knowing that they were the studio making this i i just believed from the beginning i thought i reckon they're gonna nail this um and the more i see of it the more amazing it looks it just looks like it captures that feeling of being spider-man in a way that maybe just hasn't been possible before yeah i think that's definitely true i five years ago ten years ago um 
this would have been the B team at Insomniac. I don't even know if they have one of those, but like this is the licensed game. You know, this isn't their new IP. This isn't something they've made their, themselves. But there's just a huge amount of respect for Spider-Man at that yes. studio. And mm. they're really treating it as if it is one of their own IPs. Um, mm. It's 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 worth holding out for. It's really worth checking out. Uh, I think that is September. I don't have that here in my notes. I believe it's September. Um, yeah. And I think the Sony show closed with From Software's Deracine. 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 Yeah, I, I'm not even going to try. Uh. <laughs> it is French, and it means uprooted. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I was, again, intrigued, and, and still the trailer... I was intrigued, but I, I still don't really know what it's about, at least from a moment-to-moment kind of gameplay perspective. So, From Software is a very good studio. Um, it They are working alongside Sony Japan to make this game. And f- mechanically, it's actually very similar to like an old-school adventure game. Oh, I see. Yeah. Where you'll, you'll just go around an environment, take one item to another, and use it with a person in order to make something happen. Um, but the, the, the trick is, you are in VR, and you're a ghost. Hmm. And you're inhabiting this house where um, the, these children live. And these children know you as the fairy. You are Because you can sometimes, like mess with their world a little bit in some way mm. and as a fairy you you want to get people to believe in you that is the that is the end goal of this game That's i cool. i played it for about 40 minutes um mm. which is incidentally the longest i've been in vr ever and i i had no problem with being in vr but then i took it off and then the real world was much less forgiving. And then I got a headache. I got a headache from existence. Oh. <laughs> Exist- oh, real existence gave me a headache more than this VR game actually did. Wow. Yeah. But it's a cool game. And, and is it just... What uh, controller setup did they give you when you tried it? Like, they gave so me two way- move controllers. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, they gave me two move controllers, and I need to sit. It's a sitting game. Uh, yeah. I need to sit down in front of the camera that was just pointed straight at me. Mm. Um, there were, on a technical level, it broke. It broke a lot. They had to restart the demo for me actually, and even then, the right hand, uh, because in in game you're using your move controllers as hands, just as you would, like for your actual hands. My right, yeah. my right hand kept stuttering, and it was a bit hard to, to deal with. But that was the Sony press conference. Hmm. I, I have yeah. to give it bad marks, despite having good stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it was a little weird. I think, I think I pretty much saw what i wanted to see um I'm, yeah that, you know. i think that's fair i um 
I thought that because it wasn't at Square Enix's press conference, we'd see something about Final Fantasy VII Remake, and we didn't. Yeah. I guess that just yeah. wasn't ready. Um, other than that, and Avengers, I pretty much saw everything I wanted to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think my I think the biggest thing for me coming out of it was just Resident Evil Two. Right. As, as a big Resident Evil fan, yeah. So the following day was Nintendo's Direct, and yes, we're talking Metroid Prime Four. We're talking Animal Crossing Switch. We're talking Yoshi <laughs> Switch. We're talking Pokemon Generation Eight. Where are these things? We're talking GameCube games on Virtual Console. We're talking about any form of retro game whatsoever besides the twenty <laughs> NES games in uh, in the Nintendo account. Mm-hmm. James, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I oh, I feel really so I have to be fair, like coming into this I I strongly suspected that we would see very little other than Smash Brothers Ultimate because right. Nintendo pretty much said that. And we know that um you know, we know that with the way they do direct now E3 is no longer the be-all and end-all. So, you know, there'll be... All of those things you mentioned will be likely covered in directs, maybe some of them even later this year. So, from that point of view, um, I sort of expected that. But, you know, there's usually... Even with that said, there's usually a few significant surprises. And, again, to be fair, I feel like something like Fortnite, for example, would have been a, a really big deal. And, and it is a big deal, but it would have been a bigger deal if it hadn't have been leaked way beforehand. So right. to an extent, you know, like other than Smash, Fortnite was sort of the other really huge thing. So, and, well, you know, okay. it just got spoiled. Yeah. There, were, there were a lot of digital-sized things... Um, that will make a big splash that actually launched that day, or at least the week of E3, um, yeah. which was which was Fortnite. Uh, Hollow Knight got a port released that day. Um, I still haven't downloaded it. I've been meaning to. I've been waiting for Switch, and now it's here. Um, yeah. And, okay, this is a big one. Two days later, I guess we'll just lump this in here. During the Treehouse, they announced the Donkey Kong arcade game. The 1981 original Donkey Kong arcade game uh, was going to get an Arcade Archives release. What's the big deal, you may ask? Um, like, why why would I care about this? It's a it's an $8 arcade game from the early 80s. I, that's just not good pricing. That's not a big deal. <laughs> this is a huge deal. <laughs> this is, game yeah. has never released on console in ever. The only time it came close was when Rare uh, backward-engineered the code of the game for its inclusion in Donkey Kong 64. Other than that, it has never been on console. And now it is here. It's fin- They finally did it. The reason they've never been able to do it, apparently, is that the code of the game, despite not nothing else, just the code of the game, was actually owned by someone else. Um, someone that NOA worked with way back in the day before they were a big enough deal to like hold on to all of their own trademarks. 
mm-hmm. um, and they've never been able to get it back until now. Yeah, it, it is a very big deal. It's it's really, um, I mean, they definitely had they had a couple of reasonably successful arcade releases before this, mm-hmm. but I think this is the game that probably more than anything cemented them as a video game company uh, as opposed to a general entertainment company slash toy maker that also dabbles in you know electronics and gaming this this was kind of the the huge breakout moment for them as a company that really solidified their path in a lot of ways so it's just historically in in video games in general um it's a really important game um I, I understand on a cognitive level why it wasn't in the actual direct, but I think if they put it in there, it would have maybe soured the fact that there just wasn't that much new stuff in there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sony does this a lot too, where they have all these releases, but then they don't include them in their presentation. And I, I think they're getting cocky. I think both Nintendo and Sony, they get cocky a little bit. And this time, they both shouldn't have done that. Because Sony Sony had a lot of stuff, but they could have used more to like balance out the fact that their presentation was whack, and Nintendo just could have used more in general. Um, mm. But besides Smash, this is the real uh, the the big deals. There's two games that are first party that are big deals besides Smash that uh, will sell so much. Um, the first is Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. They didn't actually give that much more information on this game. They only said that if you buy the Pokemon, the Pokeball Plus, you will get Mew in your game. Yeah. Um, that's kind of lame, right? Is that is that lame, or I can't I can't tell how someone else would view this as someone like I... outside of Pokemon. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, can you? Did they say? Can you earn Mew in the game? No. Like, you cannot. Oh, you can, so you have to buy Mew. Okay. So Mew and certain Pokemon like Mew have always been considered... Um, like there are legendary Pokemon like Mewtwo, and then there are mythical pro- Pokemon like Mew and Celebi and Deoxys, mm. where they are, they are our legendary Pokemon in some ways, but the, the thing about them is that they are never available in the base game itself. There, yeah, you have to go to some events. Usually, it was back in the day. It was all in person, but in the internet age, it's been a little bit easier. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just a distribution. Um, so, I knew there was going to be something funky with Mew. Uh, I knew that uh-huh. it was going to either be like a downloadable thing, or you need to go to a, an event and bring your Switch. Something. Uh, mm. What it turned out to be is that you just buy it. <laughs> you just straight up buy it. That's never been done before. Uh, yeah okay you just buy a pokemon now to be fair it is with the purchase of something else it's not straight up buying it yeah and i think people that are excited for this game are probably gonna buy this pokeball anyway um but still weird uh i i did play this game but i i want to say that because i have like more things to say about it and i think we're trying to wrap up right now um other thing is super mario party yeah, this this actually surprised me. I didn't 
think that I would be pleasantly surprised by a Mario Party game, but I yeah. was by this one. Yeah. Um, very, very clever stuff happening here. I think the Switch era for Nintendo is all about listening to people for... I don't want to say the first time, but in the past they, they've been very auteur-like and they had their own special way of doing things that wasn't what any other company were do- was doing uh, and, and, and it was just very, very personally n- Nintendo, right? But um, and now they've listened to this people saying, oh, they wanted Zelda to return to open world. Here you go. And, oh, they wanted uh, people to go back, or they wanted the Mario Party series to go back to the N64 and early GameCube days where there were, like, interesting maps and people weren't all in the same car going around. Uh, Really just listening to people. And they wanted Mario to be open again, like Sunshine in 64, and they did that. Uh, This is the next evolution of that for Mario Party, it seems. They got rid of all that weird stuff in 10, and to celebrate doing that, they've dropped the numbering system. It's Super Mario Party now, which you need to remind me. Um, I've predicted that name for a while for Mario Party. Was it on this podcast? I can't figure out where it is, and now people won't believe me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay, maybe it wasn't here. Yeah, I don't know if we've discussed Mario Party at all. but, I mean, I agree with you. I think, on the one hand, I think they're listening. And I think, on the other hand, they... I mean, Mario Party's gotten so long in the tooth anyway. And and the Switch is... Because of the Switch's kind of hybrid nature and all the rest of it, it feels like there's a real opportunity there that they had to take, you know, to yeah. completely rethink this from the ground up. Because, really, there was no... There would have been no point, I think taking what they had like where the series got to and just adding more mini games i mean you get to a point where it's sort of like diminishing returns really so definitely it feels it feels really good that they said let's just scrap all of that let's look at this totally fresh with fresh eyes and think you know if we were inventing this franchise today on the switch what would it look like um and they did some really clever looking stuff in the in the trailer for this uh where you can effectively link several switch consoles together to kind of make one large screen yeah uh and and the way they did it at least the way it looked in the trailer it didn't look like you needed to really specifically align the screens in a certain way it looked pretty haphazard and somehow the game knew where the different screens were positioned in relation to each other. I don't really know how that worked, but... Oh, James, you want to know how it worked? It looked like magic. It's just like Labo, where it looks like it's doing some crazy thing where the cardboard has computer technology in it, but really Mm. it's just like, no, it's just holding the Joy-Cons or something. The, The way you do it is you put two switches next to each other. There's nothing between the switches that are, like, sensing each other. You just draw a line on the switch and then it says okay where well the line started on this screen and it needed to go continue in a straight line um on the other screen where would the other screen be positioned in order to make that line you drew with your finger um straight oh i see it's so clever that's so cool yeah and and that's the thing about it like and you know 
it looks like magic, but it's this really ultra simple, clever solution behind it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very, very cool. Okay. Uh, um, that one was not actually at E3, which I thought was interesting because it's October. I thought that would be a mm-hmm. really fun thing for people to bring out on the show floor. People would love to play some mini games and stuff. Uh, that yeah. wasn't there. That, that mm. maybe maybe means it's early still i don't know um then the a, a few more things to talk about before we get into smash just they, they had a lot of smaller things overcook 2 was announced overcook is huge that was great um yep killer queen black is a fantastic or killer queen is a fantastic arcade game killer queen black is now the switch version or at least console mm-hmm. version i don't know if it's coming to other stuff um this game will be huge at parties I don't sleep on Killer Queen Black. If you go to yeah. like a like a hip millennial party in the future, I <laughs> I guarantee you will see some Killer Queen Black on some switches. Um, cool. Yeah, it's like eight players, just crazy. It'll be whack. Um, wow. Ninjala, which is Gung Ho's new thing. Uh, Gung Ho is known for uh, some computer based multiplayer competitive games and now they're doing a switch thing that looks exactly like splatoon but with bats <laughs> sounds interesting yeah it's it's what it is and <laughs> and damon x machina which is marvelous's new game which uh i don't expect to see for a while i think this is like really really early but that was cool it was a, a new ip is always fun to see in a nintendo press conference yeah, uh, this is due sometime in 2019. We, we've got a write-up on this one on Super Jump as well. There's some, oh, great. Interesting, there's some interesting people behind it um, in terms of uh, the people involved in, in the art design and in the mecha design. So there's, there's a bit of a pedigree behind this, which Ooh, is interesting. That's good to hear. Mm. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been... I've been too busy to look at super jump lately i i've seen all my the notifications come up on my phone because i'm a good fan and i have it set up that way but i haven't <laughs> been been given a chance to like really sit down and read through all of it i'm i'm excited to do that yeah and actually just really quickly i, I mentioned before the e3 hands on a resident evil 2 we we have a, a writer on board who um he's written some stuff for us before but He's come on board now as kind of a, a member of our main core team, Wyatt Patrick. Um, I really recommend everybody check out his his work because he's done, uh, through the show, he's done some snippets of hands-on with quite a few games, including uh, Mega Man 11, Jump Force, and Elder Scrolls Blades. So... When we add that to all of your hands-on stuff, Mitchell, there's there's a lot of actual impressions from the show about how these games felt, which is really cool. We're really doing that, I think, for the first time. Cool. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that that is awesome. Um, I'm I'm really excited about reading that now. Um, Super Smash Brothers, Ultimate. Yes. <laughs> so, previously on the Super Jump podcast, last time on the Super Jump podcast. Uh, Mitchell was talking about how he was in a place where big announcement for a big announcement for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, like some big thing, actually wouldn't matter to him very much, and it's 
it really really small things could change the game from being something that's like yeah cool it's another smash to wow this game is amazing and mm. um they read my diary james they they yeah things specific things like word for word that we've talked about on the show before showed up here in this conference yes um one of my favorites was they just did a a screen that said diagonal air dodge <laughs> as if that means anything to most people <laughs> <laughs> but we've talked about it <laughs> yeah this was yeah i mean it was so interesting that they you know they did this quite long presentation in in the direct about smash ultimate and exactly as you're saying you know it looked like and and i don't know um uh, all of the in-depth stuff around the smash fan community and what they've been requesting but as i was watching it that's what was running through my mind i was thinking this just feels like a laundry list of yes we've been listening to everybody we hear you and here's how we're responding yeah i can only assume that our nintendo insider friend of the show kirsty sculler uh just <laughs> forwarded all of our desires and wants to mr sakurai himself i'm, I'm sure that's I'm sure how it works <laughs> yeah yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sure she actually listens to the show <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll i'll ask next time i'll, I'll send her a cd you don't need to, you don't, don't need to ask <laughs> <laughs> uh she was she was very nice in getting my my appointment set up she took me exactly mm. to where i need to go you don't need to embarrass her by putting in her in a spot where she has to tell you she does not listen to your t your internet talk show <laughs> <laughs> um but oh, but i like embarrassing people <laughs> But, okay, so, this, okay, <laughs> Sakurai sat everyone down and said, look, you're going to need a seat for this. We're going to show you a video of the characters that are coming back. And then I was like, okay, show it. And then he's like, everyone's name will appear in the bottom, uh, bottom left side of the screen with a number. The number corresponds to when they were first revealed. And I'm like, why do I need to know this? Just roll it. Um, mm. The reason I needed to know this is because first they showed Mario, and then Samus, and then Link, and then, you know, all the old guys, and then some of the newer guys. All of a sudden, they showed things like Pokemon Trainer came back from Brawl. Ice Climbers came, uh, came back from Brawl snake came back from brawl and that one was not expected with yeah. konami especially and then after snake they showed the phrase everyone is here everyone mm -hmm. and then it, your mind goes wait even like the dumb ones <laughs> like <laughs> even the dumb ones like pichu and the third version of link and then they show pichu and the third version of link <laughs> yes, every single character that has ever been in a Smash Brothers game is in this Smash Brothers game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, mind blown. Mind mind is pretty pretty blown a little bit. I di I definitely didn't expect any of it to happen. Um mm. that that is fine on its own though. That that is just 
a, an okay thing to have happen. Um, I think I was very excited to see my, my favorite character from all of Smash Brothers is Pokemon Trainer. Very excited to see him back. But at the same time, it's just like, they're just veteran fighters. They're not the ones you get super excited for. Whatever. But then they showed real gameplay of this game and how the mechanics have changed. And I've talked about this before on what's quickly becoming our sister podcast, despite any intention to do so, the conversation um, about how I think there's certain aspects of Smash for Wii U that were designed with the competitive scene in mind, but they are reactionary. They were very yeah. late in development, and yeah. they weren't necessarily... Um, they, they weren't necessarily what the focus of the game was about because I mean this is this is total speculation but it seems like Sakurai found out about the hardcore competitive Smash Brothers scene um, and how important it was to a lot of people and how Melee had continued its relevancy over 15 years while Brawl yeah. pretty much died as soon as the next thing came out and the difference between those games and why that is the case um too late to make any real changes for Wii U. This mm. game, however, looks like it was designed from the start with that in mind. That's not to mm. say that casual players will have like a, a bad time with this game. Um, anything that would benefit competitive players, but like at the expense of casual players, seems to be out. It's yeah. it's just for it's it's just for everyone. And they really want... I think what they want to do is dethrone Melee as the Smash game that's played at every tournament. Um, and the way they're able to do that is they just need to make a competitive enough Smash game. And yeah. everything I've seen, James, and I played it, and it really seems like that it, it is it is on its way. It is early in that regard in terms of like physics. Um, they have six months to perfect it. It comes out in December. But... Mm-hmm. Like, wave dashing is in this game, James. It's in it. Yeah. It's in the game. <laughs> um, that that hasn't been in it since Melee. Like, that that's clearly just because people asked for it. And it's even yeah. harder to do, which I don't know if, if that's good or bad. Um, I actually kind of hope they change that to just a, just a smidgen so it's a little easier to do. Uh, and mm. knockback is a little weird right now, i got to admit. Um you go flying and then you just stop as soon as the energy from the knockback is like over. Yeah. Um, hard to, hard to really explain, but that's it. That just feels a bit weird. Everything else is awesome. They got, they, they, they put a toggle for stage hazards on. So now if there's a, a stage with like a boss, like last one had a stage with Ridley as a boss and the Mega Man one had the yellow devil as a boss. Um, you can have that exact stage as is. Just turn off the boss. That's cool. That is cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's did there's so much stuff. No, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I was just going to ask you. So when you got your hands on with it, when you actually played it, uh, what controller were you using? I'm curious about that. So um, I I played it in two different sessions. Um, I had an appointment for just general play that like anyone could have signed up for. Um, mm. That that allowed me to use the GameCube controller. That was with four other people. 
um, kind of mm-hmm. like a more party mode esque thing. Yeah, okay. And then yeah. uh, that that was with the GameCube controller. And then I had a press appointment with Nintendo where they like let me into the secret press area that was I, I felt very honored to be there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, much easier to just get my hands on things. I, I requested that I be able to play with the Pro Controller and against one person, uh, just so I get that, like, get both sides of it. Um, the GameCube Controller is straight up the GameCube Controller. It is exactly yeah. as it is. Um, it felt a little bit lighter than a GameCube Controller, but to such a small degree that anyone who hasn't used one in a while won't notice at all. Um, yeah. and they've confirmed that if you still have the GameCube controller adapter from the Wii U, it still works. Just plug it into the Switch. Yeah, okay. Yeah, which is nice, so you don't need to go out and buy new stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I like both controllers, actually. I, I'm more used to the GameCube controller, but at the same mm-hmm. time, the, the Pro controller, um, totally serviceable. There's nothing that you can do on the GameCube controller that you can't do on the Pro controller. Uh, the only difference would be mm-hmm. analog triggers, which, which this game does not utilize. So it's fine. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then and then new characters were announced. I, I feel like that's what everyone else is talking about. That was kind of an afterthought for me. But uh, yeah, th- these, these new characters kind of blew me away a little bit. Uh, Daisy. Never expected that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a weird character to be in Smash Brothers. It it is a little odd, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is that is a whatever is beyond tertiary, quadriary Mario character. <laughs> yeah. Right on the fringes, yeah. Yeah. Um I happened to write an article back in October for Medium that uh was entitled Actually, comma, Daisy is the best Mario character. So I got <laughs> I got some notifications on my phone as this was going off from people that know me as the advocate for uh, directional air dodges and Daisy as a character and wanting the Pokemon trainer back and talking about stage hazard toggles. It's like they read my diary. Um, And then probably the most requested Smash Brothers character since before Brawl. I'd say. Uh, Ridley. Finally, he's in the game. Yeah, that was cool. He's no longer considered too big. Um, he's actually made a little bit, I think, borderline comically small. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. It, it, was, it, was a, it was a trade-off that the fans had to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's very cool. It, it is very cool. I, I agree. It, have have you seen because again you're you would be much more connected to this than me but have you seen are you getting a feel for the general reaction among the more hardcore smash fans like are there is there anything about this about what people have seen so far of ultimate that people are a bit confused about or not happy with like is there anything like that or is it looking pretty globally positive from your point of view well, I'm, I'm friends with a bunch of casual fans and a bunch of hardcore fans uh, of Smash. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, more more competitive, I'd say, than, than hardcore. I don't know if there's a difference. But um, mm. there there are, in both camps, some stuff that 
it are a little bit weird. Uh, I mentioned the knockback and how it only takes you a certain distance, and instead of like kind of trailing off, it just immediately stops, <laughs> uh, and you stop going horizontally in the air, and you just drop. Mm. Um, yeah. That is weird, and competitive players have pointed at that and, si- and said, I don't know if that changes how competitive this, this game is, or any of that, but that is weird, and I don't like it. Um, yeah. And that has come up in a few places. And the wave dashing thing, how it's in the game, but like halfway, um, because of the way that the diagonal air dodge actually is. It exists, good, but it it is weird uh, and kind of slow. So... Mm. It, it doesn't exactly do the thing it used to do. Um, so they, they've talked about that. They would have liked just that, how it was before. Um, but in general, this is the first Smash game where they've looked at it, like how it actually plays, and they've said, okay, this could this could really have a chance to be cool here. Um, yeah. And on the flip side, the casual uh, people that I'm friends with, they were a little upset that... E3 has come and gone without mention of a major single-player mode. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Smash 4 disappointed some people because um, Melee had an adventure mode, which was like a few stages based on Nintendo areas that you go through in succession, and Brawl had Subspace Emissary, which was this huge Final Fantasy-esque story um, with a bunch of cutscenes. And then Smash 4 didn't have anything. And I think to ask for Subspace Emissary again, I know how much work that was based on how Sakurai has talked about it in the past. I think it's unreasonable to expect it again. Um, mm. So I don't. But something maybe closer to what Melee did with just like a few stages to go through that you can do in like an, an hour or less. Um, and, and it's done in a repeatable way where you can keep like turning up the difficulty and stuff. That would be cool. I would like to see something for single player, uh, single player play as well. Yeah. It's made a lot harder by the fact that there are almost 70 characters, and I'm sure that by the time this game comes out, we will hear about 10 more. Mm. So there's that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, as you've said, and, and I think as their, as their kind of extended reveal indicated, they it definitely seems pretty clear that they're really leaning into that competitive space with Smash now, which feels like, which kind of feels like that's where it belongs. You know, that, that feels like that's really what it should be about, I think. There were some articles put out on CNET uh, today, actually, that mm. were in response to an interview they've done with certain people at Nintendo, how Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is the start of a really big push into esports for them. Um, yeah, they've said that before, so I'm skeptical. But mm. I mean, it's clear that the design of this game is built like that. Yeah, definitely. They def. I think they want to reclaim, because they can't monetize how successful Melee is. It, that's the problem. Um, it's good PR, but for all the people that are buying used copies of Melee, that Nintendo doesn't see any of that. Um, and Wii U did sort of well in the competitive scene, and it's still doing sort of well. It's not hitting the highs that Melee is. So mm. it, it just makes all the sense in the world for me, or to me, for Sakurai and the rest of the Smash development team to say, okay, well, maybe Smash 4 and Brawl were closer to what we originally had in mind with this party game, but mm. 
practically, it just makes so much more sense for us to yeah. go ahead and do the thing that people want us to do, do the competitive thing, just go ahead and get it done. Um, yeah. I want to talk about what Ridley means, though, because mm. Sakurai has always said Ridley is too big for Smash. He said it, like, out loud with his mouth, <laughs> that Ridley, he just, he, if they made Ridley any smaller, he'd look funny. And he's right, he does look funny. But he did go ahead and make it smaller. So this really signals to me, okay, this might actually be the last game in the series that Sakurai does. Um, the name Ultimate implies it anyway. The mm. fact that everyone from the past is here again like a going away party. Um, and the, the idea behind the inclusion of, of Ridley, and maybe even Daisy, just saying... I want people to really like the last few fighters we add. Maybe Daisy did really well in the ballot. Um, I they want them to be fan fan favorite characters and huge Nintendo real all stars like the Inkling. Because in Smash Four there were some fun characters, but there were also some times where it felt like maybe relevancy was too highly regarded. In my opinion. Like, yeah. uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just, like, talking about this a lot. This is, <laughs> I'm going over time on Smash because... No, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, th this was their big focus. This was for, their big focus, the, yeah. For this year, this whole year, really, so... Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, like in Smash 4, Corrin was a character pretty much just as an advertisement for Fire Emblem Fates. When Corrin was released on Smash, it hadn't even come out in the West yet. It's hard to consider that yeah. a Nintendo All-Star. Or, mm. um... Something like Rosalina, who is now an important Mario character, but definitely, like, not a main Mario character. Um, other things like, let's see, Politana is a weird pull. There's, there's a lot of stuff like that. And now you have the Inklings, who are just absolute Nintendo all-stars from a huge Nintendo franchise. They are the protagonist and icon of that game. And Ridley, who mm. people have been asking for for years and also definitely is a Nintendo All-Star. So yeah. I was thinking, I was going into this, I told Heil, um, you know what, I predict Rex and Pyra from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and Captain Toad. Those were my predictions. Mm. And yeah. after this, I don't think they're in the game at all. I think they are yeah. the wrong tone. They're the wrong style. Um, mm. They are recent and they are popular in some regard. But this game is bigger than that because there are fewer newcomers. So yeah. they, they really need to be done with a premium. So mm. I'm, I'm putting it out here right now. I think King K. Rool is going to come back. He's going to be in there. I think Banjo-Kazooie, they're going to finally get in talks with Microsoft and just do it. Uh, I think that Simon Belmont leak, what, the leak was probably correct. Um, Rayman, I think Rayman's there. Those are those are the kinds of things I'm expecting now, like really fan favorite, um, big all stars to Nintendo, important characters. Yeah, yeah, and it it makes me wonder as well. Uh, you know, you were talking about the idea that, and it's in the name Smash Brothers Ultimate that this is possibly Sakurai's last Smash Brothers game. Um, I wonder if. Do you think that they're going to be looking at this Smash Brothers game as like, and, and I hate to say this because it's become so cliche, but 
one of these like games as a service or lifestyle game mm. things where you know they they launch the main game but they effectively keep this game alive for a long period of time through some combination of you know new characters and stages maybe uh periodic events that they can run which would kind of feed into this idea that nintendo wants a piece of that esports pie as well um i mean do you like do you see them doing that with with this smash because it kind of feels like this is the right timing now for that yeah, I, I could definitely see them doing it. It depends on what kind of team and who runs it and who's in charge of that project and all of that stuff. Um, for example, yeah. th- we actually don't really know the main developer on this game yet. Um, mm. The assumption going in- into it was that it was still Bandai Namco uh, because that was who did Smash 4. And Bandai Namco has come out and said that they are involved. But so is uh, Sakurai's own team, Sora, um, who I think that was also Smash 4 as well. So that that's standard. But also internal Nintendo. Nintendo themselves yeah. are working on this game. They've never done that before for a Smash game. Despite yeah. being a Nintendo like Hall of Fame history lesson, it's never actually been made by Nintendo until now. Um, mm. So where those duties are coming from could potentially impact how DLC is run after the fact because I know a lot of the time they want to like sew up those teams and then just have a ancillary smaller DLC team working on it for a while. Um, so if it's possible for them to do, I definitely see them doing it. I see them adding tons yeah. of DLC characters like next year, um, like a year after Smash Brothers comes out, the next generation of Pokemon comes out, I'm sure that'll have a DLC Smash Brothers character. Just one of the new Pokemon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because as it is, I don't think there's going to be any new Pokemon other than the veterans that came back. Yeah. 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 So that that would be cool. And I'd love to see, like, Splatfests, that kind of thing. Maybe there's yeah. a weekend event where everyone online playing... Like Ike versus everyone online playing Marth. Who's better, the Ikes or the Marths? Let's find out. That would yeah, be cool. Yeah, that that's that makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like Nintendo of Nintendo are starting to get really good at those kind of ongoing events and the like live services around supporting these online games. So this just feels like a perfect fit for something like that. I I, I totally agree. Um, I again, it just comes down to what team is available after the game wraps up and if sakurai himself would like to walk away after it launches i could see that happening um yeah uh well no i don't i i could see that happening after a few balance patches i think he would want to like read the room on how the game is received and then adjust and then walk away that's more of his style but yeah i really think this is it for him i don't know if it's this like this is it for him in games probably not but probably him in Smash Brothers. He's yeah. just talked about how stressful it is, and it it makes me so worried for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, there is the whole thing of he's he's been operating at this high stress level for years now on this yeah. one franchise. So, you know, he he probably at some point might want to do something else. <laughs> so I told but you who, who I expect 
my number one wish is banjo, as I'm sure everyone in the world can already guess if they even mm. smelled me. Um, but <laughs> what, is, what is yours, James? What would What's your one big character you'd like to see come up in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate? You don't get too many more chances. I don't think there's going to be too many more newcomers. Yeah, that's true. Um, look, I don't know. I mean, I of all the ones that you mentioned earlier, for me, the big one's probably Banjo. I, I would love to see that. Um, but I, the only other thing I can think of, and it's not necessarily specific characters, but I'd like to see more Sega stuff. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously we've got Sonic, but... Um, Would you I want a different Sonic character Sega's or somewhere, someone from, like, the larger Sega pool of characters? Oh, see, well, everything I think of is, is too, um, it, it, you know, is probably not quite mainstream enough. Like, I'd love to see one of the characters from Jet Set Radio, for example. Oh, that'd be so fun. Like, they could have a like, skateboard and everything. Yeah, like, one of those characters, and they could use... If you think about their their moves, the way that they grind around, the way that they uh, tag things and all that sort of stuff, like there's a fair bit of potential, I think, for a character like that in Smash. Plus, they would just look awesome. Um, but you know, uh, that's that's one of those things where even within the Sega kind of world, I I don't know if I'd say they're kind of one of the really big main characters that people think about. Um, but I'd love to see more of those crossovers with other companies, you know, outside sure. Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Knights is coming to mind when you said Sega characters, Knights into Dreams. Uh, oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll take that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, okay, so it's Banjo and Knights for the Super Jump podcast. Yeah. Yep, there uh, we go. Done. This has been the final um, episode of the June Jump I've decided right now. Uh, we will talk about more um, perspectives of things I played from the show floor that we didn't get to, but we actually touched a good amount of them in this episode, just going over the presentations themselves. In the future, uh, probably in the in the next episode of the Super Jump podcast, maybe we'll try to get one out next week if we can. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll finish up E3. We'll, we'll give a rating to the show because I think that's fun. <laughs> we'll say who won E3 because apparently that's a thing that needs to be done. And uh, <laughs> we, we will answer any fan questions you have. Uh, just send those to, again, that's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. I almost said podcast at superjumppodcast. It's not that. <laughs> podcast <laughs> at superjumpmagazine.com. Send those in. Uh, they will be read on the show. Uh, if they're appropriate. I mean, I'll read them first. <laughs> you you won't catch me with my <laughs> pants down on this. Um, any, any questions about games that we saw that like you want to know our thoughts on that we didn't get into, or things I might have played, or just about the show itself in general, or anything really, just send those in and we'll, we'll get to them on the next episode. So thank you very much for listening. And remember, stay, stay super. super.